0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans.
1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome into the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here with you as always. And we've got a lot to talk about. The Vikings wrapping up in Mankato with the night practice. And on to the preseason we go. But first, Judd and I have to tell you about our 1500 ESPN Fantasy Football Convention. Judd, what can you tell people about our Fantasy Football Convention? First of all, I would like to paint this, yes,
0: Fantasy football is a major component, but Matthew Collar, I would like to paint this as a fiesta football, okay? Okay. So fantasy football is important, but if you're a football fan, even if you don't play fantasy, this is for you. So if you just like football. Correct. Okay. You will love this, and here's why. The date is August 12th. That's this coming Saturday at Mystic Lake. Among the attendees, Mike Golick, Mike Golick Jr., Mike Morris, Mackie and Judd. Oh. Matthew Collar. Me. Kevin Seifert. Wow. The Fancy Football Podcast guys. I know them. There will be a stage show. Prizes include. Now you're going to say, I know what game you're talking about, but I can tell you because this is a promotion, the prizes include tickets, a chance to win tickets to the big game. The big game that in, might
1: or might not be hosted here in Minnesota? It might be in February. In fact, it is in February, it's now, the big game. Can I say this as an aside, that you will have a good chance to win those tickets if you come. I mean, it, let's say you. You'll play, have a chance. Let's definitely. let's yeah. say you, I see what you're saying. Let's say you play the lottery and you're competing with like fifty thousand people. I see what you're saying. You will not be competing with fifty thousand people for these tickets. I see what you're saying. So, and Judd, I agree. but why be, don't you give us more details at where people can buy tickets to this event? Well, first of all, I want to tell you we have added prizes too. You might oh, not be a- aware. Oh, of sorry, this.
0: I interrupted. The more prizes added, prizes include Vikings tickets, which I can say. Added prizes include the presence of a 65-inch TCL TV. I love presents. We have, um, let's see here, preseason tickets to the Vikings, blue and white taxi vouchers. We have a lot of good stuff, and here's the good news. Tickets are $10, so now you're saying, $10, $10, what do you mean? The only thing is, you get car. Tw- are, are people really saying that? $10 is not a lot, Judd. Nope. But what they're saying is, you're asking me to pay, and then I'm going to tell you that you're actually getting money back from us. Uh, $25 betting voucher is what you get with your ticket, plus $10 in meal money. So you're paying $10 for a value of $35. Get tickets at 1500ESPN.com or Ticketmaster.com. And fortunately, I have my old one sheet here to tell you what the time is, because it's not on my new one sheet. And people now are (laughs) saying, okay, on Saturday, what time are we supposed to show up? Doors open at 7:30 a.m. and the event will run from 9 a.m. to 12:30 this Saturday, Mystically.
1: Okay, I'm excited, and that went on way too long. So let's go to code, some actual football talk. And if you come to the so event, you're just too. Football- I will sign something. You're for You're too you. football geeky. You'll um, sign people's footballs. Yeah, yeah. I'll sign anything. All right, anything you want, anything you bring. Uh, what should Ted- we get to? Teddy Bridgewater signed a Rice Krispie treat the other day, so
0: I will match that. And internally, the Miami Dolphins talked about him. What do you know?
1: Okay, let's start there first. I apologize to you. I'm sorry, Judd. You texted me the other day and you asked if Teddy Bridgewater on Twitter could be talking about possibly joining the Miami Dolphins. And I said, Judd, you are crazy. Your conspiracy theories have gotten out of hand. <laughs> yes. You should probably be fired. However, didn't say the last part I didn't. Say but you thought it, and that's I, awful. Yeah. Okay. So now I've. Okay. That's a it. Freudian slip. Thanks um, for stopping to that. So. Adam Schefter reported that the Dolphins at least mentioned Teddy Bridgewater's name, which I think should tell us that any team right now that's thinking about their future quarterback situation has Teddy Bridgewater in their mind. Absolutely. So now, where do we go from here? Because... I guess what I've been thinking was that if Teddy Bridgewater was 100 percent back mm-hmm. by the end of this year, unless Sam Bradford took this team to the Super Bowl or NFC championship or had one of the best years of his career or or better than he's ever been, that they would turn back to Teddy Bridgewater if he was 100 percent healthy. Because he's younger, he's going to be cheaper next year than Sam Bradford will be. And in my opinion, at least so far, what we've seen from Sam Bradford, I think Teddy is the better quarterback. The old Teddy, if he's a hundred percent, yes, the old Teddy.
0: Um, I would say this: the most important thing is going to be uh, clearly to see how things play out here. But let's just play the game of Bradford is what the Vikings want, which isn't necessarily a top five QB, but he's good. If he does what they want, I think they sign Bradford to a contract extension. And most importantly, too, let's say the Vikings see Bridgewater coming back and he's 80% or something like that. But there gets to be a time where they're convinced that there's a cutoff there. So it's never going to get back to who, who he was. And a team like the Dolphins calls in March and says, we'll give you a second or third round pick, which would be fantastic. I think if you're the Vikings and you have decided that Bradford is your guy, and just as importantly, Bridgewater's never going to completely come back.
1: You trade him in a heartbeat. Well, it really stuck out to me that when Bridgewater talked to the media, he gave no information all the way through except when he said, I will play in the NFL again. He did not say, I will be the Minnesota Vikings quarterback again one day. He said, I will play in the NFL. So it's pretty clear that Bridgewater has it in his mind that there's a possibility this team could take Sam Bradford and move along onto the future. And the way Sam Bradford's looked so far in training camp, uh, maybe that would prompt even more Teddy Bridgewater to think, well, I guess that's just their guy now mm-hmm. because of what happened to me. And there will be a handful of teams, as there always are, in the market for a starting quarterback when it comes to next year. And I think even if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't show that he's back to 100%. Someone would give him a chance. 80% of Teddy Bridgewater Correct. is probably better than a lot of Cody Kessler and or if, Josh. McCown.
0: So, so if, if you decided that that, that was going to be uh, the extent, at least for a couple of years of how far back he could come and you got a call
1: from the dolphins third round pick. Do you do it? Well, I think you probably have to if Sam Bradford has a really good year. But I think this all is contingent on that. Sure. I don't think that they're going to trade Teddy Bridgewater now. I think if the Dolphins had called and asked for Teddy Bridgewater, they would have said, no, I don't think so, because the best case scenario out of all of this is that the Vikings make the playoffs and then are able to turn the keys back to a 100% Teddy Bridgewater. That's, again, if... Sam Bradford does not show that he is an elite to top ten quarterback. If he's the same player that he was last year, it's very easy for us to get caught up in preseason training camp hype. A lot of guys look great in training camp. But if it's the same Sam Bradford that it was last year, yep. I think if you're the Vikings, you say, Thanks, Sam, we went ten and six. We had a good year. We lost in the first round of the playoffs right. and now we're going right back to Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: first, uh before we talk about any of these scenarios down the road, we have an actual football game on Thursday. We do. And I hate to admit to this, but I but after practices have been going on for like two weeks, Collar, I actually look forward to the first preseason game oh, yeah. just because it offers something different. It's funny. Football is training camp starts and you're sort of excited, and then about a week and a half, and you're like, this is awful. It's boring. Hmm. Play a game. By the fourth preseason game, you don't care. But Thursday night's game at Buffalo, your old stomping grounds, actually is going to give us a chance to see the Vikings first-teamers for the first time.
1: It will. And number one on my list is Delvin Cook to see. First time in the number 33 jersey. In an actual game with finger quotes around that, of course. It's a real game, sort of. But in game action against another team, to see him and how many snaps that they give him, how does he look, does he break off a big play, does he show something in the screen game that we have not seen in a very, very long time, maybe since the days of Robert Smith here uh, for running backs Mm -hmm. uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, because obviously... Adrian Peterson screen game was not a big part of it. And I know that Mike Zimmer didn't mean this. Maybe I don't know. I don't think Mike Zimmer intended it to be a slam at Adrian Peterson, but he said, you know, our, our screen game in the past has been pretty bad. And last year it was too. Peterson was out. Yeah. But even when Peterson was here with Mike Zimmer, It was still not very effective, their screen game. And with Delvin Cook and Jarek McKinnon, it has a chance to be very, very good. And I want to see if they start to use that right away in the preseason and show other teams, look, you're going to have to deal with this uh, when we come your way. What's your
0: evaluation or assessment of how much of the offensive installation we're going to see? Because defensively throughout the exhibition season, you're always vanilla as possible. I mean, you don't show blitzes and things. But do you think, uh, because of the fact that they are installing new things, that we are going to see some of the wrinkles that they're going to employ? Or are they going to try as hard as possible uh, to basically just try and run things in a bland fashion so that they don't unveil things offensively until uh, until the Saints game in Week 1?
1: Yeah, I talked to Jerick McKinnon after the practice the other night, and he said that he thinks that the three running backs, assuming Latavius Murray is back, will have very specified roles in the offense. But he said, look, I won't even know myself until right before week one when we get the game plan. They're going to go out there, I think, and show probably a little bit of very basic plays and maybe try to put in the minds of opponents some run plays that they will use with Delvin Cook, some screens they'll use with Delvin Cook. But other teams are going to go back and watch this preseason film, and, and everybody knows that. So maybe you throw Delvin Cook a screen pass, but then you show that exact same look week one, and instead of a screen, it's a fake, and you throw it deep down the other side of the field or something like that. These teams play all sorts of games with each other like that. I think from a very basic standpoint, what you want to see is Delvin Cook show some flashes of the talent that we've heard about and that we have seen on the sidelines at training camp. The way people have talked about him I don't think is just fake hype. I don't think it's just, oh, yeah, it looks great. I think it's honest, sincere. Usually the more detailed, the more sincere it is. Right. Because if it's like, uh, yeah, you know, he's a great guy and uh, he's working hard out there, then you get the sense that, okay, maybe he really doesn't look as good as, as he should, mm-hmm. but – it, from Cook, from the pass-blocking detail that Pat Shermer laid out to his vision, to his quickness, to his power, all of those things have been laid out by either Mike Zimmer or other players. And now I think people will finally get a chance to see some of that on display when they go to Buffalo. Hey, everyone. Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore here from the Touch'Em All podcast. Now, the Twins might not be very good in recent years, but our podcast is pretty damn good. Phil that's a little bit of a stretch. Okay, our podcast is, is pretty good. Well. Okay, we have a podcast. You can find us talking twins on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com every week.
0: And the blocking is key to me because you wouldn't, if the guy couldn't block well, you, you would just ignore it. Like, like, you wouldn't try and cite examples. You would just basically say, oh, he's doing okay. But when you can give specifics, and those are the things that are tough. I mean, we all know that, that if you hand cook the football, he, he can run with the ball and do a good job. Uh, we, we've seen him catch it. But when you're talking about detailed nuances of blocking and protections and stuff, that's absolutely key because those are things that if you're not good, they're just not going to talk about them. And, and on third down, you're out. And so if this, guy, if this guy is even as close as he seems to be to being a complete player right now, that to me is an enormous plus for the Vikings.
1: Delvin seems to have a very good understanding of the game. And when you listen to him talk, you get that sense as well that not only does he understand what's happening on the field, but kind of the bigger picture here too. And maybe that was a concern coming to camp and becoming a Viking is what kind of guy are you really getting here? Because he had been in trouble in the past, and the character concerns, finger quote, is uh, one of the major reasons he dropped in the draft to the second round. But in terms of the football stuff, putting all of that outside of the field away, uh, I think that he has shown us quite a bit from his comments and from what other people have said too. And uh, what pass blocking is, I think, is a, is a combination of smarts and effort mm-hmm. because all of these guys are strong and they're all pretty big, unless you're super light. But no running backs are anymore. There used to be some real light and uh, you know scamper. Type it definitely of guys, takes smarts though.
0: That's that's yeah, very true. Yeah,
1: and that's why I think Latavius Murray's good at it. I mm-hmm. asked Murray. I said straight out, why are you so good at pass blocking? And he said, I worked at it. Like I focused on it. I got burned a couple of times, and I was embarrassed, and I wanted to make sure it never happened again. I think Cook is a guy that if the coaching staff says, you're going to learn how to block, that he's going to put his effort into it. We'll Absolutely. see as, as we go along, but that would be my guess uh, for how that goes. And if he does that, he's got a chance to be the all-around number one running back that some of the best in the league are. That's, what his, that's how good his skill set is. The um, second
0: thing that you will be looking for on Thursday night,
1: Second thing I'm looking for is how well the tackles hold up. What? <laughs> Can Riley Reef even play yet? No, I don't think Riley Reef is going to play, which means Rashad Hill gets to go against other players.
0: Now, he twisted an ankle or hurt his leg on Saturday night in the scrimmage, but his agent has since tweeted he's fine, right? Yeah, should be okay. okay. Yeah.
1: And we were already hearing from other players after practice that he was going to be all right, that it okay. was no big deal. And uh, so if he's playing, I assume he is, how well he holds up against some of the first-teamers for the Bills. And they had a good pass rush last year. They have Shaq Lawson on the team. Lorenzo Alexander had double-digit sacks. They've got some good pass rushers. How does he look against them? Because they'll be going. They'll be trying to chase down the quarterback. I mean, there's your definite half speed from some players, but I think pass rushers will want to show up and get a few reps in. Sure. Uh, And also uh, with the the tackle position, how the backups play because Jeremiah Searles has really struggled at left tackle in camp when given a chance. Uh, Aviante Collins is an undrafted guy they brought in. He's struggled. Willie Beavers has been playing right tackle. He has struggled. I mean, behind the starters, it's always bad. I mean, you go to any training camp and you look, tackle is such a difficult position, but in this case, Is there anybody that's actually going to emerge, or at least look reasonably decent when camp comes around, or when uh, the games come around?
0: And now, now when Hill's gotten a chance, which he has quite a bit, he's been pretty good,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah, and he's he's been mostly going up against prize, yeah, against Everson Griffin. And the thing that he has for him going is that he has these super long freakish arms. He's six foot six. And he can really hold guys off with his arms and he doesn't have to react too quickly mm-hmm. because his arms are so long. And he seems to know that like sometimes with TJ Clemmings, you thought, I don't think this guy realizes how large he is because when he could really just kind of float back and wait for the guy to make his first move. Instead, Clemmings would lunge at the guy <laughs> And any of these defensive ends are so – or outside linebackers. we are
0: talking about the Houston game again.
1: But it wasn't just that. It was all of the games. I know, but but that was the
0: one that was most noticeable. That's the one where he lunged forward. I think he fell flat in his face, and you said, this is not going to end up well for T.J. Clemmings.
1: Yep, and that happened all season. He never corrected it. And I don't see that from Rashad Hill. I think that he's probably an an average or above-average backup at that position.
0: Is right guard important now? I mean, Berger, we we talked about this last week, has struggled. I got to think that at some point here uh, they're going to have to – I mean, if Berger's lost it, he's lost it. Um, How important do do you think his performance is in the brief time he might play on Thursday?
1: Yeah, I'm keeping a close eye on the guys behind him – most notably to see if Pat Elfline or Nick Easton gets time at right guard because they have in practice. And of course, what we heard from Pat Shermer was, Oh yeah. I mean, we want to do that with everybody to get them. I don't think that that was really the case. I think it was sending Berger a little bit of a message that Pat Elfline was a darn good guard when he was in college and he can play there. And so if Berger continues to struggle, we might end up seeing two inexperienced guys on the interior or, Another guy that's really made uh, some waves is Danny Isadora, who is a fifth-round draft pick and not someone you, whose name you really expected to know. But mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer has raved about him several times. His ability to get out and move, uh, his kind of—I know this is getting really football—but just just his body a podcast, and his podcast. Like, you can get as football that, as you that's want. That's true. It. That's true. His strong base. Oh, kind yeah. of a good foundation. Oh yeah, that's all come out. But Isadora has stood out and there's a chance that if he goes into these preseason games and starts plowing people over that they might be really impressed with him. I think they'd still start with Berger, no matter what he looks like unless it's a complete disaster but if it doesn't go well then he'll be out of that position and they'll start making changes
0: the third thing that you'll be looking for against the buffalo bills a team that you rooted for for years it's going to be very difficult for you on thursday to maintain
1: a non-biased perspective on your bills plan okay well i'll just be honest i, I never really rooted yeah, for them okay. i mean i covered them it just sounded and good. i was and i lived there uh but did you grow up there yeah, I, I grew up there. So yeah. you were an old time Bills fan. Yeah, I guess so. Come in on. the early '90s, yes. Okay. I like Thurman Thomas and well, Jim Kelly. I used Kelly. to like the Vikings in the yeah late,
0: late '70s. And early I got to 80s. know
1: Thurman Thomas after a while, uh, being in the media. He's a really good guy. So there, yeah, there's a lot of Bills connections there that I have. Um, but, anyway, the third. Thing but but later no, later. it won't be a difficult night for me. I, <laughs> I won't be wearing one of those jerseys that you has kill, I was half to purple. Half I was trying to sell that. Bills.
0: Right. Buffalo Bills, Minnesota Vikings,
1: big game. <laughs> yeah, huge game. Um, Depth wide receiver spot. Mike Zimmer said that Stacy Coley and Rodney Adams were in the lead right now, but you have Caleb Jones, who's a big guy, six foot three, who's made a couple of nice catches, especially early on in training camp. You have Isaac Frickty, my Mister Mankato pick, who has I would say been fairly consistent but not ever outstanding okay and anybody who thinks that he's going to be the next adam Thielen, i would say put the brakes on a little bit there
0: just because he's and from a that's local college doesn't mean he's going to be correct yeah that happens yeah that a was
1: a that's a tv question tv yep. people would ask that type of question yes, so they, you think you'll be the next adam because you kind of look like him because <laughs> you happen to be white right and so is adam
0: last time i checked <laughs> You both have a beard and work real hard. Who is our... So so along the same
1: lines, that who right now is in the lead to return kickoffs as well? Well, that I don't know because they don't kick off return live in practice. So that will entirely be determined in the preseason. Interesting, okay. I mean, they did it a little bit the other night, but you don't really tackle the guy. I mean, that's like an injury waiting to happen. So they just yeah. don't even do that. I think maybe back in the day they probably did, but they certainly do not. Ticey did, I think. Yeah, they do not now. Um, So we don't know, and that's one of the things on my list to keep track of because you've got Marcus Sherrills, yep. who has been around, and he's good at this, and then you know Rodney Adams uh, did it in college and was pretty good at it. Stacy Coley is fast. Um, Isaac Frickety is listed on the depth chart as another guy who will return punts, so we could see a little bit of him. And I think the idea, Jarek McKinnon took a few in uh, minicamp. I think that idea is out the window because McKinnon is – too important to the offense. So who, who's potentially
0: the most explosive of the uh, kickoff return candidates?
1: Well, Adams is more of a playmaker with the ball, but Coley is faster. Okay. So will Coley be able to spot the blocks and be patient and those sort of things? I think Cheryl's wins this job, is, is my guess. And he's more experienced. So he,
0: does, he does punts and kickoffs. Yeah. And
1: when, well, first of all, I mean, that gives him a little more value of being on the roster. It sure. helps justify him being there. Uh, also, he's reliable too I give him yeah. that also he was good at it before Cordero Patterson showed up and then Patterson was all time good at it mm-hmm. uh, but if you look back at Sheryl's numbers he was pretty solid and you know this position overall has kind of diminished I mean even from Cordero Patterson's first year to his last year in Minnesota it was almost cut in half the number of kick returns he had and that spot just doesn't mean as much as it used to mm-hmm. and I think they're hoping that uh, Rodney Adams takes over as some uh, like a, a solid punt returner But I just don't think anyone's going to beat Charles for that spot.
0: Is Treadwell going to play, do you think?
1: I don't think so. I guess we'll find out over practice over the next couple of days as we record this. I'm not sure. But my guess would be that they're cautious with Treadwell. Sure, But, you know, uh, Jarius Wright has played pretty well. Um, Jarius Wright became kind of, for me, like the... What happened to that guy but also i don't i don't know that I really care that much because he's just not going to be a huge part of the offense last year it was a It was a talker, but for me, it was always. There's nothing about this guy that really stands so far but, above anyone else. But
0: I think what was weird for, for th- those of us who covered him before oh, last yeah, year sure. was yeah. the fact that they just like totally forgot about him. Right. So Correct. And it, it's, it was never that he was that dynamic, but he's not a bad player. Right. And it was just weird that he got in the crosshairs to the point of he couldn't play.
1: Right. It's and, like, well, no, he can play. And since he's come back, though, um, with the first team, he's performed quite well. And he's gotten those reps because Michael Floyd is going to be suspended. So Michael Floyd has mostly spent time with the second team right. and been really good. Uh, but Wright stepping in has stood out better than Treadwell, I think, with I f- the first team. I
0: feel like like Treadwell, uh, potentially not playing on Thursday, though, is just another in the long line of he remains a question mark and you can't get the questions answered. I mean, he's a guy that you would like to see, even in that first preseason game, just get on the field, run routes and look good at it, Right. And so you're just back to with Laquan, you always seems like you always go back to what is he? And so far it's been a disappointment. So
1: And the fact that he got hurt here and then had Jarius Wright come in and look better than him, yep. not really a good sign for an off season of Laquan's gonna make it this year. Well, and we also I mean I said from the first day
0: of camp. As unimportant as camp is for some guys, to me, training camp is important for him. I mean, I want, yeah. you want to see something going into week one to say, okay, there's been real progress here, and I'm sorry, but doing it in shorts in May is not it.
1: No, right, yeah. you know, yeah. It it'll, it matters when the pads come on. And Absolutely. I think he had some nice catches, but I also think he had some down days as well. He's got to be on the field. And then got hurt, and that was an issue last year that yes. it was – Supposedly, something with his feet, and then he got hurt later again in the season. And if he's not going to be healthy, which he he did have that issue with the the knee problem, uh, or when he, when he had the that ho- that horrible, injury, yeah. yeah, horrible injury in college, which was probably one of the reasons that he ran such a poor forty yard dash. Um, Would you love to point out? Well, the kicker, and I'm not making this up. You got this tight up. ends, kickers, I am not making fat this tackles. up The kicker, Marshall Cain, ran a faster forty. That really happened. So not even possible? Well, Kane is probably a pretty good athlete, but also run routes? It, the forty time is not that important Kick for wide, wide receivers. Receiver. But you better be really good at everything else if you run a four six. You've got to run a great route. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing with Treadwell is that I'm not sure he doesn't run a good route. I think it's that he often runs the wrong route. <laughs> and, You're splitting hairs and, with that right. statement. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. You're right. You're right. He. Flashes the skills that got him drafted in the first round. You see it every once in a while, but then you see someone like Jarius Wright who is a veteran, who is experienced, who's in the right place, exactly where he's supposed to be all the time, and it just looks different when he's out there. And I wonder if when we get to week one, unless Treadwell comes back and has some really good preseason games, I wonder if we see Jerry's right run with that first team uh, from the very beginning. And I also wonder if this team uses two tight end sets, two running back sets, Different things to get people on the field. I'd as love opposed, to see that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, me too, as opposed to three wide receivers.
0: I think that'd be great.
1: Because I think Jarek McKinnon is a far more talented football player than Jarius Wright, so I'd rather have Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. and Delvin Cook on the field. Um, the last thing that I have for you is the backup quarterback situation because neither one of them, Taylor Heineke nor Case Keenum, <laughs> has looked any good at you, all.
0: You came on the Mackey and Judge show today, and I think you called Case Keenum an embarrassment.
1: Okay, I don't know if I was that harsh. He I think I said that the fact that he beat out Jared Goff for the Rams job last year really shows you how bad Jared Goff is because Case Keenum has showed nothing that would indicate that he's anywhere close to an NFL starting quarterback.
0: How about Taylor Heineke then?
1: But Taylor Heineke <laughs> hasn't really either. I'm I mean just, this is I'm un- just kidding. No, right? but I know that's the me. That's the thing is that Heineke's an undrafted guy with yep. some physical tools that are kind of interesting, but. I mean, once he gets out there and everything's moving that fast, it stands out that Sam Bradford is way better than both of these guys. But I'm curious, though, if Case Keenum struggles, if they would turn it over to Taylor Heineke and just say, well, let's hope that Teddy Bridgewater gets back after six weeks and uh, Bradford doesn't get hurt. And
0: the amazing thing about this entire conversation is, is it's the most important position on the field. Guys get hurt, and Colin Kaepernick can't get a job. Yeah. That is the most yeah. amazing. When you consider that Case Keenum has a job right now, mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke right now at least has a job, and Colin Kaepernick can't get a job.
1: Yeah, a guy who was a not only in the Super Bowl but was a play away from winning the Super Bowl. Yes, as a quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, but that is a much larger issue that we don't have time for. Right hey, now. by the way, real quick on that issue though. Earlier this offseason, I wrote about a conversation I had with a player about Kaepernick, off-the-record conversation about um, how the league is sending a message to the players through Kaepernick. Uh And then I noticed that Doug Baldwin of the Seattle Seahawks said the same thing. And I think that that's what it is. I think that owners, it's not so much about what he did. It's more about telling everybody else— that if you bring politics into the game, even if you're a decent player like Kaepernick and even if you deserve a job, we're not going to want you. So oh, yeah. everybody else, no, keep I, your mouth shut. I agree now.
0: I agree completely. When he didn't get a job in March, I said, Okay, let's wait till June. When he right. when he didn't get a job in June, I said quarterbacks will get hurt in training camp. Let's wait till then. And now this is one hundred percent he's being blackballed. And my guess is that the sponsors, if nothing else, got to the league and said, We don't want this guy. Yep. I, I think that's very possible. The one thing you possible. do not mess with is the revenue that comes in. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't care how good you are. I mean, Colin Kaepernick plays a position at which teams are desperate, desperate to find players, and he can't even get a sniff of a job. And I think it's because they basically have decided exactly what what you're saying, which is we're going to send a message, which is if you bring this in, you will not be employed by us. Yeah, and it's very. But if you beat your wife or girlfriend, we'll let you re- rehabilitate yourself.
1: Well, and that's what's frustrating about hearing people say, "Oh, it's because he's a distraction." But I mean, Michael Vick would have been the biggest distraction ever, and a team had no problem bringing him in. Adrian and Peterson him came right back here. They begged him to come back. Yep no no problem. No worry about being a distraction. That is something that is overhyped. By television analysts when they talk about Tim Tebow, I don't think it applies to players that can actually help you. Win, right, but, so. te- but teams should come, Teams, if teams were now going to tell you the truth, they would say distractions are a big deal if we deem them to be. Now, I do wonder, though, imagine Sam Bradford got hurt. Would the Vikings be the team to do it? Absolutely not. I think he's been blackballed by the entire league. You might be right. It's too, you might be right. It's too
0: widespread. He pl- If he played any other position, I might go down that road and say, well, that seems odd. But he plays a position at which teams are desperate. Desperate on a daily mm-hmm. basis. I mean, just think about it. Think about, look at the starters in this league. And you're telling me Kaepernick couldn't go into one of those places and challenge? I'm yeah. not saying he'd win it, but he can't even challenge for a job. This is flat out a message being sent that we don't want the distraction and you could and and most importantly the almighty dollar you might cost us. We can we can take in someone who beat up his wife because we'll sell the story as well he's trying to come back from this. But in this case of politics it's gone too far. It's it it's abs- this is ridiculous.
1: Well, I agree with you there. You know what's ridiculous? We haven't seen a football game with the Minnesota Vikings involved since January. So since we the will... guy was dangling from the yes, ceiling yes. of U.S. Bank Stadium, yeah, I should say, <sighs> since uh, I didn't watch any of that game, was that I was a football game? F- focused on whether the guy was going to fall or not.
0: The bear, the the the, the January one Bears Vikings game might have been more uninspiring than what we're going to see on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I remember almost nothing from it. I remember Matt Barkley leaving the game. And Who was the Bears' someone... last
0: quarterback that day?
1: I honestly don't remember. I'd have to look back.
0: David Foles. I, have to look I think it was David Flames, no but I really don't know. I blacked it out.
1: That's how bad that game was. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll catch you again soon
0: after the game, right? Don't forget, Saturday, 1500 ESPN Fantasy Football Convention. Do it.